Today's scripture reading comes from John chapter 17, verses 20 to 26. Please follow along in your Bibles, your bulletins, or on the screen above. Hear now the reading of the word. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have made you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Amen. Good afternoon. Praise the Lord. Well, the service is not that bad. Uh, 1030 was like empty. The power of uh, Labor Day, I guess. Um, people are, you know, people love Labor Day more than Jesus. It's okay. But here I see more spiritual, 1 p.m., praise God. Um, we are in September, praise the Lord. So as Pastor Josh shared, uh, it is our community month. Um, the pastors got together and we, uh, we decided it would be a good time to pause and intentionally really uh, focus inward a little bit. Uh, and the point of this, this month is to also celebrate, uh, pause and celebrate, and be reminded how a precious community is, right? Uh, it's, it's very special that, you know, we, we have given this, this local community, church community, and we want to take intentional time to really uh, strengthen and celebrate, appreciate, um, uh, get better at. Uh, so we want to take this month, so every month, as, as Pastor Josh shared once again, uh, we'll be intentionally you know, preaching about community and a lot of activities, a lot of things planned. One thing I think he didn't mention, we didn't mention today is we'll, we are also planning to have a um, FG, which is our family group, family group bowling tournament, uh, throwdown uh, in two weeks. We're going we're gonna to do that. Um, for the retreat, I heard right now, sign-ups are up to 166 people. Okay, crazy. It's, a, it's the largest yet. So every year in the retreat season around this time, we're like, sign up. There's only limited spaces left. And, you know, we actually meant there's like 50 spaces and we're like limited. But this, this time it's real, right? It's like there's only like five or ten spaces left. That's it. So please do sign up. We would love for all of you to, to go and experience, encounter church-wide retreat. We have it once a year. Uh, it's all the services, Edgewater, 1030 and 1 o'clock. We come together, we go away. It's a, it's a beautiful, just amazing place with a water park. Uh, great speaker, time, time to rest, just to, just to chill, relax, reflect, um, and enjoy one another. Uh, so it's a great thing to highlight how we're going to end this community month with our retreat. So we do really ask you to sign up, try to, uh, try to really attend. Uh, that would be a great, great, um, great experience for you all. Um, with that, let me pray for us, then we'll, we'll, we'll start. We'll head into our message today. Okay. Father, we thank you for my, uh, my brothers and sisters here. Uh, just what a, what a joy it is to, to live in harmony, to serve one another, to love one another. We pray, God, that you'll um, you really uh, just remind us, remind us of this privilege of, of being in community. 
um, remind us, Father, that we have a really real need for it. Uh, we ask your spirit to really come and to, uh, to speak in and through us. Uh, so, Lord, be glorified today. We lift up all things. Father, no, no person uh, uh, will receive any glory, but, Father, you alone. Uh, we are here as your people, first and foremost, as your worshipers, God. That's our hunger. That's our desire today. So, Lord, uh, receive our worship. Uh, you're worthy, Father. No one else. But we praise and exalt you and you alone this, this day. In all things in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. One of the most famous research projects that's ever been done on relationships is called the Alameda County Study. It was headed by a Harvard social scientist, and it took place over a nine-year period. They tracked the lives of 7,000 people, residents of Alameda County in California. They found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die, three times more likely to die than the most relationally connected people. Very interesting findings. They discovered that people who had bad health habits, smoking, poor eating patterns, obesity, alcohol use, and so on, people that had bad health habits but strong relational connections lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits but were isolated. In other words, they found that it's better to eat Twinkies with good friends than to eat broccoli alone. <laughs> Scientifically established now. Written up. It's another study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. It's the Journal of the AMA. They took 276 volunteers and infected them all with a virus that produces the common cold. In this study, uh, again, published in the Journal of the AMA, in this study they found that people with stronger emotional connections, deeper relationships, did four times better fighting off illness than those who were more isolated. Those with stronger relational connections were less susceptible to colds, they shed less virus, and they produced significantly less mucus than relationally unconnected subjects. <laughs> I am not making this up. This is in the study. It is literally true. Unfriendly people are snottier than friendly people. <laughs> literally true. Now, I believe that studies like this are simply confirming at a biological level what the writers of Scripture taught a long time ago, you were created for community. You were made for relational connectedness. You were designed by God to love and be loved, to know and be known, to serve and be served, to celebrate and be celebrated. And to miss out on this is to miss out on the reason why God made you. Whatever else you achieve, whatever else you accomplish, however much other stuff you pile up, however high you climb on the ladder, you miss this, and you miss the reason why you were made. Amen. And I'll start with that. You are created for community. The powerful words, right? I don't care uh, what your personality type is, extroverted, introverted, or your Myers-Briggs is INFJ or SESTP or ABCD or WWJD or I mean, whatever it is. Um, it's, it's true. If you were to be uh, honest, right, if we were to be honest with ourselves, uh, we long for deeper relationships. We, we long for meaningful community. 
We want to be connected. We want people to know us. Uh, we want to be loved by people. We want to be known. Uh, it's so true. But yet it is so hard, isn't it? It's so hard to find genuine community. And that is the, that, that is the search. That is a search for many people. You know, in college, I studied philosophy, and many people kill themselves, commit suicide. Like a lot of the smart philosophers end up killing themselves because there's basically no meaning in life, especially alone, on their own, journeying to find out the truth, find out truth. There's nothing. There's really nothing. And they end up a lot of commit suicide. Uh, community is so important, significant, yet so elusive, so hard, especially finding good ones. When you find yourself, be, you're belonging to a good, you know, deep, genuine community, uh, it's special, really special. So we have this longing. Why? Um, because, once again, we were created for community. We are relational beings. If we go to Genesis, right, I think we have the slide, Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning of beginning, is in the, in the real front end of human history as God is creating the world. Uh, he creates the stars and the heavens and the separates the water, all that stuff, and animals and human beings, the mankind, right? God creates a man and woman. And in Genesis 1, 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and all over the crea- creatures that move along the ground. Uh, this is the moment that God is creating human beings. And it says, let us, there is that plural. We call it the divine uh, plural. Uh, Some Old Testament scholars just kind of brush this off as saying, oh, this is a divine uh, plural, which means uh, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, when they uh, ascribe to someone who is high and above, such as gods, they use plural, right, to describe, uh, plural pronoun to describe the being. Uh, But I think, and I think Christian theology teaches there's much more than that. Even from Genesis, God is teaching us, showing us that he himself, the nature of who he is, is a triune God, right? Uh, we, we know, I don't want to get to, to, to Trinity, the whole theology of Trinity, or teaching Trinity, stuff like that. But we believe Bible teaches us the nature of who God is. We believe in one God in three persons, right? The Father God, Son, and the Holy Spirit, somehow mysteriously, supernaturally, in perfect harmony, dwelling into this one being called God. Yes, there's one God, but in three persons, right? That's the theology. That's the creed. Creed teaches us we believe in God, the Father, Son, and the Spirit in one, yet three in one, one in three. But anyway, the point is there is a dimension of community even in the nature of God, right? God dwells in community in himself. So that communal God, that triune God, Genesis 1 is already saying, let us go and make mankind in our image. When God is first and foremost creating human beings, he is imprinting the image of who he is, the likeness of who he is, the core of who he is, the nature of who he is, the relational, communal nature. It's getting imprinted upon human beings. So which means by design, by design, by creation, you and I, we are relational beings. There's something, some nature of God, the image of the likeness of God that is relational, triune, communal. It is in us. It is in us. That's why we hunger for community. That's why we have this longing for people and, and relationships and, and meaningful relationships and, and depth. And we want to meet people and know people. And we want to love people, be loved by people. Because there is a dimension of 
relational community upon us. You know, when I look at today, um, today's, today's world, today's generation, right, something that really just, just jumps on me, leaps, leaps forth is social media, social networking. Um, you know, they say now teenagers, it's crazy, teenagers, we don't have teenagers here today, right? Teenagers, uh, average media exposure time, social media, computer, TV, everything combined today, how many hours? Nine hours. Nine hours a day, average. You know, I have two uh, high, school, um, high schoolers now from September. By the way, thank God. You know, God loves parents. Every September, I'm realizing God loves me. It's called school, right? This thing called school, right? They're going back to school. So praise the Lord anyways. But now they're in high school especially. It's getting worse. Like every, just every day, every moment, every night, like, you know, on their own, all isolated. Isolated, yet they want to be connected, Right? So physically, they're isolated, but they're still connected. They're on, on this thing, Facebook, you know, Snapchat, whatever, constantly. And today, America, our average time is nine hours. Why? Why? You know, every time we eat something, that nice, fatty tuna, sushi, sashimi, whatever, you just eat it, and you're like, oh, that was awesome. No. Right? Snap, tweet, whatever, whatever. You do everything. Tell the whole world. Everywhere we go. Even things like enjoyment, enjoying food or experiences, encounters, uh, the, that experience is not fulfilling, 100% satisfactory until what? Unless we also get to share with another. It's just nature of who we are. We could never, the, relation, the, the, the encounter itself cannot, cannot, will not be 100% fulfilling if we don't share. Someone else has to affirm it, confirm it. And they have to say, wow, that was awesome. I get you. I get you. Wow, that was awesome. You must have been so good. Like they, we need to hear that. We need to get fed by others. That's part of the experience, what it means to be a human being. Right? That's why we can't just eat that fatty tuna by ourselves and taste it and good and that's it. Don't tell anyone ever. No. Then that experience is not fulfilling. Something missing. I need to tell someone. They need to know how good this place is. Right? That's part of just being a relational human being. We're, we're communal part people. Why? Once again, Genesis 1. Even from beginning creation, God, who is a triune relational God, puts a stamp at the core of who we are as a being. He makes us right, communal, relational, that we need people. Right? We need each other. Does it stop there? It doesn't stop there, Genesis 1. Genesis 2, Adam is created, the first man. Uh, perfect before the fall, right? Perfect being, yet God comes and says what? It is not good that Adam is alone. Once again, relational God, triune God coming. Uh, then Adam, from Adam, Eve is created. So God creates the first marriage, the first family, once again, community, Genesis 1. Uh, does it stop there? No. The first family we see, Adam and Eve, they have children, the act of creating, uh, having children, right? Closest act uh, in terms of creation, right? We human beings, we can't create anything. Uh, even in the Hebrew, the word that we, the verb that we use is actually make. Making is taking something that's already created and we combine it and we form something. Human beings, we could only make something. We can't create out of nothing. We can't. We can't. Right? We have no power. Only God can. But the closest thing is procreation, right? When we have children, um, 
And, and that is also a form of continual community, community building, community forming, Genesis, and on. Then what happens? Then Abraham gets called, and now God reveals his redemptive plan. The rest of the Bible till the end, the whole point, the, the story of the Bible is God calling and creating a people for himself. God is into community building, nation building. And at the end of the end, in Revelation, once again, we see what? New heavens and the earth comes, and the people of God. So it's a community. It's a group of God, group of people who love Jesus Christ, who have been saved by the blood of the Lamb, worshiping forever and ever, worshiping the Lord. So we were created for community. And we cannot escape uh, this, this dimension. So, but why is it so difficult? Well, difficult, especially for us as Western, you know, American Christians, once again, uh, we, we're just not wired this way. A lot of us, we love our individuality, individualism. We want to be independent. Uh, we like our privacy. Um, we also, I think, we, we want to be self-sufficient. We ha- hate to lean on people. We don't want to ask for help. Um, we we want to make it. We want to do it on our own. Right? I think that's just that's part of our our cultural, our societal upbringing. So especially for Western, I think, for, for us Christians, this is a challenge. I mean, those things are not necessarily evil or, or sinful on its own, but I think many times those things turn into idolatry. If it's in the forefront, if self-sufficiency in the forefront, no, it's, it's, it's idolatry. We're never self-sufficient. You, you'll always need someone. You'll need God. You, we need people. We need each other. I need someone. I could help someone. Uh, right? So those things are bad. When I was in Africa this year, uh, we went into this small village, this area, and there was like an open kind of communal, this housing place, right? It was like an open space, and there were a lot of like house, small like, you know, dwelling places, houses. Uh, and we noticed that there were a lot of ladies. There were a lot of like women, like, I don't know, like 10, 15 women. They had babies, and they were all like there, just living there. So I remember, uh, I think it was our brother Danny who was on our team, went in and we're talking to them. We try to get to know them before we, you know, share the gospel and stuff like that. And we're asking, you know, hey, what's your name? And we're getting to know them. Then we asked, um, are, are you guys sisters? And they're like, yeah. And we're like, what about you guys? Are you guys sisters? They're like, yeah. Are you guys sisters? Yeah. Are you guys sisters? Yeah. <laughs> huh? They're all sisters. You know, so for, for us, coming from the West, you know, well, you know what we mean when we say, well, are you sisters? Are you brothers? You know, are you family? Are you blood-knit family? But for them, it was very vague. It was very, what do you mean? We're all sisters. This is a community that we live together. Right? They had babies, and I feel like they're, like, just tossing babies, and they don't even know which one's them. They're like, yeah, we raise them together. I mean, it was so powerful. It was so powerful. It was like nothing for them. It was like, why are you guys asking that question? What do you mean, sisters? What do you mean, brothers? We're all sisters. We're all sisters. We live together. This is our community. Very, very powerful. I remember uh, another time, I think, Pastor Jan, someone sharing from Africa story where how this, these villages, these tribal people, there are no orphans. There are no orphans. Because when the parents pass away, the village, literally the village, that's like that saying, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. The whole village comes together and raises the children. So for these tribal people, 
they are an orphan. Because that's my son. That's my son. That's my son. That's my son. Everybody's my son. Everybody, right? My children. Communally, they raise together because communally they're so tightly linked. But for us in the West, challenging, right? We can't even imagine. What? I have a hard time raising my own kid. We, we can't even grasp, imagine what does that mean communally living together, uh, really sharing and supporting, uh, not just by words or just superficially, yeah, we're community or family, but really being connected to that point. Uh, if something really happens, yeah, we, we could raise this kid together. Or, you are my brother. You are my brother. You're my sister. Um, I think it's really challenging and difficult for us. It's something to, for us to think about. Dr. Paul Tripp, a famous pastor, counselor, a lot of people respect him. One of his books on community, this is what he said. I think we have this quote. A little bit longer, long, but uh, I'll just read it for us. We weren't created to be independent, autonomous, or self-sufficient. We were made to live in a humble, worshipful, and loving dependency upon God and in a loving and humble interdependency with others. Our lives were designed to be community projects. Yet the foolishness of sin tells us that we have all that we need within ourselves. So we settle for relationships that never go beneath the casual. We defend ourselves when people around us point out a weakness or a wrong. We hold our struggles within, not taking advantage of the resources God has given us. I mean, I I love that. Our lives were designed to be community projects. If this truth is true, that from the beginning of creation that God implanted in the image of God, the relational God image is in us, that we are created for community, then this is so powerful. How often we forget that we were created to be a community project. Meaning we were meant for community because when I have issues and brokenness and need, it's a community project. It's not my project. Like, I was never meant to figure this out on my own. But it, there's community. There's my brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. That in the, in the context of community, that we help each other, that we get helped. See, not only we receive help, but you are needed in the community because there's someone who needs your help. There's someone who needs your help. Right? Not only that you receive help, but we can also give help that we were meant to be community projects, all of us, because we're all broken. We're all sinful. We all have issues. It was very powerful, right? I thought it was very powerful. Um, Today's text, Jesus is uh, praying. Uh, This is the longest written prayer of Jesus Christ in the whole Bible. Uh, John 17, John 18 is when Jesus gets arrested. Uh, So this is literally the last moments before he is arrested and he's crucified uh, and he is praying and the whole chapter john 17 has is prayers of jesus and it's divided into three sections first section he prays for himself second section he prays for his immediate disciples then the third section we read today john 20 20 uh, 17 20 26 only time ever in the bible jesus is directly praying to us Right? The prayer says what? I am also praying for those later generation who will come to believe. Right? So uh, 
Jesus is almost, this is a prophetic prayer. He's praying ahead for those who will believe his name, meaning it's us. He's praying for us, future Christians. And what's, at the, what's the content of this prayer? What does he pray for? One, you know, written six verses, praying for future Christians. And what does Jesus pray for? God, I pray that they will become missionaries. I pray that they will become worshipers or prayer warriors. What is the content of Jesus' prayer? I read this like, I don't know, 100 times. And when I read it, my last conviction was, Jesus is actually praying for community. His concern is that we are unified, that he wants to see a healthy community. He's almost saying that I could have, you know, he could have prayed anything. He could have said anything. But one thing that's going to help in terms of spiritual survival, spiritual health for the future Christians, you need to be healthy in terms of community. You need to be one. More than anything else. You need to be one. You need to, you need to function in a healthy community. And Jesus prays for community. And this unity that God talks about, it's not that we all become the same. Okay, it's not uniformity. You know, today we're selling shirts, so a lot of people are wearing this, and we're like all look like cults or something. But that's not the Bible, you know, biblical thing. It's not, it's not God saying united, everybody become one. That's not what it is, right? You know, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12. We're all body of Christ. Someone's an ear and a mouth and an arm. and you know, We're all different parts. We're different. We're different. But yet with our differences, somehow we willingly submit under the name of Jesus Christ because of what Jesus Christ has done, and we become one. We become one in spirit. We're so different. We're all different. Like I said, some of you guys are extroverts and introverts and certain giftings and all these differences. But yet we choose to still come in community, loving one another, supporting one another, living together, doing life together because of the worthiness, the work of Jesus Christ. So this is a powerful display of what Christian community is. And this is what Jesus prays for, that Jesus prays that we encounter, that we experience this. Um, okay. One more, we'll just close today. Second part about community uh, that I was kind of, I was convicted this week uh, as I was kind of preparing for this message is community is really, is really a gift. Uh, true community is, is a gift. It's a costly, it's a costly, a precious gift. Okay? I don't know how many times you, you think about uh, what we have. Well, you know, hopefully a lot of you guys feel like you belong to this community here at New Mercy. If New Mercy Community Church is your community, I don't know how many times you feel like, man, this is a gift. This is a precious, costly gift. And when we say community is a gift, what we mean is that community, true in the true sense, Christian community cannot be created from human perspective. We cannot create community. 
And I think that's one thing that for me, as you know, in the ministry for the past 25 years, I've been learning. There are a lot of times we'll start groups and FGs and family groups or whatever, and, and we, we try to create, even in, in a faking way, to create community. But what happens? Does it work? It doesn't work, right? A lot of times it's, it's difficult to create community, true community. But from, from my experience, what happens is a lot of times community happens, right? Community happens. You wake up one day, you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm in this thing, and it's awesome. What happened? And usually what happens is it's broken people who encounter Jesus Christ and submit to the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ. And as we submit to each other, community takes place as we begin to love each other forgive each other just all those one another another you know there's so many commands in the scripture as we as we try to strive for those live do life together we wake up one day and we find we're in community it's happening i mean i don't know about you but that's a lot of my experience Um, that's why community in the in the foundational sense it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a precious gift. If you're in one, if you feel like you're in one, protect it. Hold on to it. Grab onto it. It's grace. God's gracing you. God's gracing you. And it's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing to find yourself in community. Um, so true Christian, Christian, true Christian community cannot be generated, but it is given by God. Right? It's given by God. And uh, community in the true sense, as we, we learn and we see from Scripture, as like the community in the Acts, book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, where people come and meet every day, worshiping, teaching, learning, you know, I mean, amazing display of true community in Acts chapter 2, right? The early church. That kind of stuff really generated by God. Only possible by uh, broken people touched by God. And we understand our nature of brokenness, our pain, our suffering, our hurt. And we also know what God can do. So under that truth of the gospel, we gather as broken people who are touched by God. And we begin to share. We begin to share life together. Yes, there's messiness and and pain and dirtiness and sinfulness. And it smells and it stinks. And people are sucky, you know, like issues happen and stuff. But yet it's okay. Because that's part of the process. That's part of the part of the Christian community. Right? It involves all that, and yet it's awesome because that frees us. There's true freedom in that. All right. I'm just going to end with this. Um, lastly, from today's text, we see uh, this point of community this unity that God calls for, Jesus Christ calls for, uh, it's not, the point is not, the unity is not the end on its own, but what happens? Jesus prays that we are united, we have this healthy community so that the world will know uh, that Jesus Christ, who, who, you know, came from God, right? Meaning community is strengthened by reassessing its Purpose, right? So there is mission. Community is strengthened by mission. 
Uh, and I think we see this today in the, in the text. And everywhere we see uh, the glimpses of this, like Romans 15. I don't know if you have that verse. Romans 15:5. It says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ welcomed you for the glory of God. Now, at the end, there is a reason. There's a purpose. For Christians, unity is important. Yeah, definitely important. Jesus prays for us that we'll be united, we'll have a healthy community. But why? So that we're like, hey, we're united. We're awesome, new mercy. No, because unity portrays the glory of God. Meaning God is glorified. Somehow God is glorified by our oneness, by our healthy community doing life together as Christians. Somehow world sees who God is. And somehow scripture said that God is glorified. So meaning how we live, it does matter. Right? How we how we dwell in community, how you know what we do in community, how Christians we we come together in community and function in community, loving one another, forgiving one another, all this community life, doing life together, it matters to the world. It it affects our mission. Right? It affects our purpose somehow. Somehow when we are one the world will know that this is real. Oh, my gosh, how could that person, you know, go to that church or go to that community and they accept him? Do you know what they did? That with that sinful background or story or, or how many times they have fallen or did this and that and whatever, whatever. But yet, how could that community embrace him or her? Right? When the world sees something supernatural that they cannot handle, when it happens, when it takes place in the Christian community, somehow God is glorified. They question, wow, this is real. This gospel thing is real. You know, the book of Philemon, uh, I shared this once in a while, but there's a small book in the New Testament called Book of Philemon, Philemon 1 chapter. Uh, and the book of Philemon is about a slave who ran away uh, during that time. And Paul is writing to this owner of the slave, Philemon. The slave's name was Onesimus. And basically, you know, when you read the book, read the letter, it sounds like uh, the slave Onesimus ran away from Philemon. And during that time, at that time, the slave owner had every right to punish Onesimus. He could even, if he wanted to, he could have even executed him. Every right. But Paul is writing to Philemon and Onesimus, Philemon, owner of Onesimus, Onesimus uh, Philemon, uh, embrace, accept, will you accept Onesimus? Will you take our brother back? You have every right. You have every societal right, cultural right. You could do every, whatever you want. But because you are a Christian, because we are Christians, will you embrace Onesimus? Will you do something by the standard of the world? Cannot do. Unheard of. Goes against the world standard. What? You're crazy. You know, sell him. Kill him. Destroy him. But by the grace of God, as people of God, as people of the gospel, will you forgive him? Will you embrace him? Beautiful, beautiful letter. What happens to Onesimus? We don't know. You know the letter doesn't say. That's just the just, just letter just said. But I believe, right, that it worked. I believe that Philemon embraced Onesimus. Because it's interesting, in church history, uh, when you study bishops, early bishops, there is a bishop named Onesimus. And it's 
interesting, also interesting. If you study the name Onesimus, Onesimus actually was a very popular slave name. Not many average normal people would take the name Onesimus. Like, you know, I forget what the percentage was, like 85% Onesimus were all slaves. So if you kind of put these things together, like how many slaves would become bishops? And you can't only question but to turn back to the book of Philemon. Perhaps it was this same Onesimus. And Catholic churches believe that. They believe that it was the Onesimus and, you know, whatever, but it's another story. But it's a powerful, powerful display that in the Christian community that, yes, we can live differently, that we can embrace the broken and forgive even though it's painful and hurtful and uh, the world cannot do it. But, yes, but this, this context, this community, it has to be different. And that's what Paul is writing to Philemon. Philemon, we are Christians. Think about the, what Jesus Christ has done, and we live differently. It's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. It's hard. It's difficult. It's painful. It's inconvenient. But we live differently. Christian community is different. That's why when we are one, when this is working and healthy, the world will know that Jesus Christ is real. That the gospel is rich and real and is attractive. So we pray for this healthy um, community will, will take place here. And it is our prayer that uh, you will find yourself uh, belonging to uh, this community here in New Mercy. Uh, this is our sixth year. Uh, God has given us a vision to be a church for the broken. Six years ago, we planted with about 90 people, and um, we thought we were going to last, honestly. I remember gathering, and we're like, oh, we're going to maximum, we're going to stay alive for six months. I think that's how much money we had, and then we're like, after six months, that was good, good ride. We closed, we go back, serve some other church, go to Chode, go to Arcola, I don't know, <laughs> whatever. But by the grace of God, God's faithfulness, um, God's been just sending amazing people. And I think that's one thing. Um, There's just a lot of new people been coming and people want to serve and, you know, really own the vision. They believe in the vision. And people tell us, you know, definitely this is not a perfect church. You know, we have a lot of issues. And people have left too. No question. Uh, But I, I don't question, I do not question the faithfulness, the ownership, the love so many of our, our members have for the vision that God has given us. We're a multi-pastor church, so we don't have a head pastor, lead pastor. We all share and rotate, as you guys can see, which is awesome. Because I think this also helps the glory going to one person. All right? And it is really our sincere prayer that all glory goes to God. That New Mercy will be Church of Jesus Christ. That's it. So will you pray, pray with us? And uh, we want to really ask, especially our members, members of New Mercy, this month, let's pray. Let's pray for our church. Wednesday nights, the whole month, Wednesday nights, every Wednesday, this month of September, we are specifically, we're praying for New Mercy. We're going to pray for our church community. So please come out uh, Wednesday, 8 p.m. at the Hub. We'll be having our community prayer uh, at church. Uh, Saturday mornings come. You know, we're starting a new prayer meetings. 
uh, but let's really take intentional time to look a little bit inward and to pray and to encourage uh, one another this month, okay? So with that, I want to ask the praise team to come uh, sing one song. And if we could take, if we could bow our heads, we're just going to time of reflection.